So, some work trips aren't quite like others. Uh, I've found that over 19 years of gathering stories here at Minnesota Bound, and just came home from a trip that just defined that. Not all work trips have to be work trips. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. And as far as this fall trip I'm talking about, um, it is a cast and blast of sorts to one of my favorite places on the planet, uh, Grammaray along the North Shore of Lake Superior. Now, it's good enough to be able to travel up there, uh, take a camera and shoot stories. But when you get to do it with two really good friends, um, then you're into something. And those two friends, believe it or not, actually agreed to talk today. Scott Sorensen and Paul Veith. Hi, guys. Great. How are well, you? Hello, Mr. Shirk. Good to hear your voice again. The only ripoff in this deal, I'm sitting in my office, grinding in front of a computer. You both are nowhere even close. <laughs> this nope. is true. Nope. I, I'm, a- I'm, I'm glad Scott's on so I can learn a little bit about how he's how it's going in the deer woods up there for him. Because well, it's a, it's a Paul's little warm up here too. in Grand Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, a right, lunch, so you get, little lunch you get, break. You guys have your tree stands going, but let's go back. So we all decide we're going to shoot a Minnesota bound story and an episode for one of our national bird hunting shows called The Flush. And Paul says, well, gosh, I know this hot spot for Woodcock up in the North Woods. Got a family cabin. I have this renowned Woodcock guide who happens to be one of my best friends scott Sorensen. we should we should go check it out and i said that'd be awesome because i love woodcock hunting <laughs> uh, well got scott the guide you better you know better, you better talk better your way th- through this one better field that one field that yeah well <laughs> I would call it the grouse woods up here. Uh, somebody seems to be really interested in the woodcock flight, and that's a that's a tricky thing to to time, right? It uh, it uh, it happens, but I have it's hard never to time. Been, I have never been on a grouse hunt that I can think back on where we were one hundred percent grouse zero woodcock and in some way that made this hunt absolutely amazing i mean so what's your mo scott how do you how do you grouse hunt in far northern minnesota what's your mo well i use i use dogs i've got uh, bohemian griffins pointers uh i've got two of them um two dogs seven legs um, yes, I was going to say technically one and a half dogs, <laughs> one, and one and three quarters dogs. Um, but yeah, we uh, we we basically just hit the woods uh, looking for uh, grouse habitat, grouse cover, and 
let the dogs um, do what they do, and uh, hopefully we get some some hard points and some good shooting. And so the three of us hike off into the woods. Um, amazingly, like 30 meters out behind Paul's cabin along the North Shore, Paul's family cabin, I should say. And we let the dogs do that thing. And then all of a sudden, uh, the guide says, be ready. The dogs seem birdie. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's the fun part about uh, um, having what we have up here right in the backyard, I guess, uh, literally and figuratively for, for Paul at his place. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice of Scott to find some birds in my, you know, my uh, on my uh, neighboring, you know, state land property of the family cabin that I've never hunted before. It's awful well, nice of you, Scott, to clue <laughs> me in on some birds. <laughs> You're gonna bring your shotgun up there more often, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just ridiculous, right? We walk out of the cabin, we sneak back. You hook up with the Superior Hiking Trail, which is a world-renowned trail which runs essentially from the canadian border all the way down the shore to duluth but you can get on that trail and when you're on public property you're in the superior national forest which is all open to public hunting and the guide says well this looks like a promising spot and there are birds i've never hunted off the superior hiking trail it was amazing Yes, it was well, a good it was a good time and and I guess um you know you talked about the Superior National Forest that makes up 92% of Cook County uh where Grand Marais is located um it's the third largest county in the state but 92% of it is state and federal forest lands including the Boundary Waters canoe area um so yeah we have a lot of of uh, public woods out there you don't have to ask for permission Mm-hmm. And it, I think what surprised me, you said, well, I feel like maybe we're in a cycle. Things are down a little bit. We're averaging about one bird per mile hiked. But I swear our number was like one bird per quarter mile. Yeah, we did. We did pretty, pretty well. I think we were maybe above average from what I was experiencing. Um earlier in the season. Um, certainly nice when the leaf cover falls down or the underbrush, you know, the woods kind of open up a little bit. You can see the dogs better and, and uh, yeah, we had pretty good shooting. Well, I had pretty good shooting. Paul was um, struggling a little bit. Well, all right, Paul, there's a story behind that. Set everyone straight in all fairness. Well, yeah. Uh, long story short i had to have some uh tendons repaired in my shoulder that were long overdue and uh i went in they said well you're you know for all medical reasons your sh shoulders basically healed and i said oh great can i shoot a gun and they're like no you know no no not till next year so i i've i've turned into a lefty uh i usually shoot right-handed i've turned into a left-handed shot this season so um that's uh you know, you go over a lot of things in your mind of which, you know, now I have to close an eye when I do it because I'm, I'm uh, right eye dominant. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little tricky, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was 
my shooting was uh, mostly just for fun. Well, it's it's unbelievable that you even tried that, really, because when you look at how difficult that is, um, not just on a target that's sitting out on a fence post, <laughs> right? But these grouse <laughs> that are booking and ducking and dodging, um, yeah, something else. Well, I, I have the uh, one young young dog, and so I uh, Labradors, uh, Labrador Retrievers, and one's a puppy. So I, it was it was just fun to be out in the woods and you know hunt with you, Bill, and you know one of my good buddy Scott, and watch his pointers. And so um, yeah, I, it would have been hard to pass up an opportunity. And if I don't shoot a thing and just get a couple of uh, you know shots, that's fine. I mean, there probably would have been a few other shots I'd have taken if I was shooting right-handed, but I you know just couldn't put it together. So. I've known Paul for a long time, uh, went to college together, and it didn't surprise me at all um, that he was going to give it a try and had a great attitude. Um, lots of uh, missing and laughter, and uh, I can't imagine trying to trying to knock one of those birds down um, offhanded. No, but I would argue that Paul has it figured out, meaning why we hunt, right? It's it's not about how many birds you get lucky and drill. It's being there, the smells, the sounds, the dogs, the friendship between you two, if I can call it that. Um, <laughs> I, I just got done logging the tape, which means I watch every second of every clip that photojournalist Aaron Ochtenberg documented. And you're like two little chatty schoolgirls when you're in the woods. And I don't even think you know you're doing it. <laughs> well, you should see us steelhead fishing. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 that's the first time we've grouse hunted, but we steelhead fished together, you know, tons and tons. I mean, the funny thing is, is Scott, you know, he, he, he guides me in, the, you know, right behind my family cabin. And then in, during the steelhead season, he sends me a little bat signal and says, yeah, you might want to think about running up here. The steelhead might be in, in the next few days. So yep. yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we've spent, we've logged a lot of hours in the woods, uh, in the streams together, um, Alaska and, um, uh, Canada and steelhead fishing. So, and, you know, even, even in college, we had some fun. So well, we're going to talk about some of that. First, we need to pay a few bills. Uh, again, I'm talking with Scott Sorensen, proprietor of Grand Marais Flybox, uh, Fly Shop, and uh, Guide Service, and also Paul Veith, hunting buddy and fishing buddy. Um, but again, so many sponsors help make the Minnesota Bound podcast uh, happen each week. And first up, I want to thank Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. You know, I make a career talking about clean water and native habitat and best environmental practices. And that's one of the big reasons I love Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. It is locally raised beef done differently. Let me explain. You see, Thousand Hills uses what is called regenerative agriculture to raise their cattle. Those beef cows, they graze in fields of wild grasses and they move between lots of different fields. 
So it is a sustainable ecosystem free of synthetic fertilizers and all the chemical herbicides. It's a system of agriculture that promotes clean water, natural grasses, and guess what? The best beef you've tasted. No joke. My wife and two sons, we love grilling and smoking, and we do it several times a week. And now we cook with Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. Trust me, the Shirk Boys cannot get enough. Beef raised the right way. Check out Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef to understand regenerative agriculture and fall in love with Thousand Hills. Also, we want to thank the Minnesota Propane Association. Did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat to your home. Why buy two heating systems when one propane furnace can do it all? It lasts longer, works better, and it costs less. These things and more are done with propane today. The right energy right now. Okay, getting back to the story at hand today. So um, fishing and hunting guide Scott Sorensen is dragging a couple of city slickers, Paul Veith and Bill Shirk, through the North Woods. He's got a dog, two dogs. Zeus has four legs. Ike has three legs. We'll get to that story in just a second. But he's got me on the left out there somewhere walking, you know, 20 yards away in the woods and then 20 or 30 yards to the right. He's got Paul, Scott and I see each other and we hear bird kaboom. And Scott looks at me and he says, he got one. Paul got one. And I look at Scott and I say, he got one. And then all of a sudden we hear giggling and hear, nope. Not even close. <laughs> accurate? Yeah, I, I would say that's accurate. I mean, it was, uh, I put my gun up and forgot to close the wrong eye. And then, you know, I closed my the, the correct eye and shot as it was kind of ducking between a couple of spruce trees. And uh, I'm pretty sure I wasn't even close on that shot. <laughs> but yeah, you guys, I... I know you guys had a laugh at uh, you know on on uh, at my account, but that's okay. No, no, we so were part both, of it. We were both so excited because we had thought it actually happened. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys were rooting for me as much as you were. That 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 actually meant a lot. You guys really wanted me to get one, and um, that was. Uh, I just wanted to be out there. It was just fun to be out there. We even saw some moose sign on you know, not far from where we, uh, where that happened. We, there was some, some tracks and, and other signs. So that was fun. Hey, Paul, on that, on that particular bird, did, did your, uh, were your dogs in front of you there? Did Chief, um, get birdie? And, and, uh, I, we couldn't tell what was going on over there. Uh, what happened? I, I did know my, my puppy wasn't, he was just kind of along for the ride mostly, but my, my other lab, I had noticed he had been birdie a couple times, um, but I, it wasn't anything I thought was hot scent. And then I'll, it got out of the tree above me um, before I even saw it, and it was flying away. So, you know, right-handed shot, I, it would probably have been a, you know, I'd been able to snap off a pretty quick one there, but um, left-handed, it just took, took, took too long to get my gun up and, you know, lined up and cheek on the, on the stock and, and 
you know, so it just didn't happen as quick as I, I needed to. But yeah, it, my, it, it, it got out of the tree. So I don't know if we had treed it um, before or it just had been sitting in the tree. But yeah, that, I did. They didn't. They weren't overly birdie uh, on that. So I was shocked just by how many birds were in the woods. Right, that first day we flushed birds all morning long. We took a little lunch break. Went back out in the afternoon. There were birds flying in the afternoon. I mean, that is as good as grouse hunting gets when you can say, oh, we had, I don't know, 15 flushes, 18 flushes, something like that. That's pretty amazing. And earlier I talked about there are trips that don't feel like work. Yes, Aaron Ochtenberg and I are documenting kind of the experience, the story about you guys, but sunsets, shooting hours done. We pull out a six pack of ice cold beer and we sit down next to a lake on the edge of the boundary waters. And my goodness, what a moment to just sit. Yeah, that full moon was was pretty awesome. We have a picture that I'm actually gonna post up on the Minnesota Bound website. It's one of those deals, right, where you can't tell what's the reflection and what is, you know, the woods, the sky, the full moon coming over, not an ounce of wind. And we just sat and waxed just story after story after story. I mean, that was, for me, one of my highlights of the year in the woods. It was just amazing. If only you guys knew how to tell a good story. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I, I would agree with you, Bill. I mean, that was, I was very memorable. I, I was thinking about that myself thinking that, I mean, that literally was, you know, the, as fun as I had on the whole trip. I mean, it, it's, and, and just like you summed it up, that's, that's part of it for me. Uh, it's, you know, it's the dog work, it's the hunting and, and all the things you mentioned, but it's also kind of the, you know, the, the discussion afterwards and the, um, telling stories and, you know, having a beverage and, and I mean, the scenery, you, you just can't, you couldn't, you just can't beat that scenery. I mean, it was fantastic. No. And, and I feel like I've been connecting dots here the last few days. You know, there's all this talk about forest bathing, right? People are paying, I don't know, therapists to put them in the woods in these spots where they just take it in and get healthy. And I was talking to a buddy about deer season. And sitting in a tree stand and just kind of taking in the woods. And it kind of clicked. And I went, well, good Lord, that's that's all this stuff is. It's forest bathing. We are, you know, regenerating ourselves by being outdoors in the woods. And when you don't have deadlines, per se, where you can just sit down and not have to think about much, that's what it's about for me. Yeah, I get I get asked all the time, don't I get bored out in the woods and and you know when I'm sitting in a tree stand, but I don't. I I I mean there's so much to watch, so much to think about. Um you know, if a deer comes by, that's great, but it's uh it's it's great for the soul in my opinion. I I I never that. Oh, go ahead. Uh I just never called it I never thought about it as forest bathing. It seems like another business opportunity for you, Scott. <laughs> I, I, uh, apparently I've been forest bathing for years and had no idea. Um, 
Well, what's amazing, <laughs> you drive up the North Shore and all these resorts, right? All these grand lodges have these new banners out, you know, come forest bathe. It's the cool thing to do all of a sudden. It's hip. <laughs> well, I would add up to that night where we were, after we were done hunting um, and just kind of um, sitting around talking about the day, sharing stories. The other noticeable thing or the great thing about fall up here in the Northwoods is there wasn't a single mosquito, black fly, no seam. We had a pretty heavy bug here and uh, it, it was really enjoyable to just be able to uh, not have to worry about those guys. Um, you could hang out as much as you wanted. We didn't even have a fire and uh, it was it was just great. So it was an awesome end to the, a great day in the woods for sure. It was one of those nights where the moose outnumber the mosquitoes. <laughs> yes, that's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I'll take those any day. Unbelievable. All right. So the other fun part of this trip is the cabin. Uh, you both worked on it. And Paul, this, this structure, this place, it's the dream of your dad. Yeah, I mean, when we were growing up, uh, when we were kids, uh, my dad bought a piece of land down in southeast Minnesota. He always wanted to have a cabin, just always talked about a cabin in the woods. And then I think just he just decided it was time to do it. And um, I don't know the whole story uh, between how, it, how the, the transaction happened, but um, Scott's brother, Jeff, uh, knew my dad was looking because – Scott's dad, Scott's brother, Jeff, also fishes with my dad. And so he, he mentioned to Scott, hey, uh, you might want to let Phil Veith know that this piece is for sale. And, you know, my dad bought it up and um, then made plans for the cabin. And we all, you know, the entire family pitched in. Um, it was mostly my dad doing most of the work. And then a couple of my siblings did more than I did. And Scott actually worked probably did more work on that cabin than I did. So mm -hmm. he, his, his house is, I don't know, within, I don't, at the time, I don't know which house it was, but he was within a few, you know, five or six miles. And um, so he, he put the roof on, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it, it, it's just something that kind of popped up and we all pitched in and we all use it. I have a brother out in uh, Virginia that doesn't really get a chance to use it, but um, you know, everybody, kind of pitched in and enjoys it. And it, it, the other thing that's kind of neat about it is there's a lot of reclaimed uh, things in there, like the floor in one part of the cabin is, a, is an oak uh, floor from my house. When we remodeled, the cabinets are from my house. There's a floor up in the loft that's from my brother's house when he remodeled. So we were, you know, taking out floors and you know, pounding nails out and thought, well, let's just put that in the cabin. And, and, um, I think there's some trim from, you know, one of the house remodels that's up there. So it's kind of a mishmash of, of, uh, reclaimed things. So my dad, one of my dad, you know, my dad's always been kind of a reclaimed type guy for years and years and years and, um, started right there. So. Yeah. It's un unbelievably beautiful and just the smoke climbing out of the chimney, you know, up over the trees and the birds that are around and you know 
Slipping there, in the there's pool. woodcock in the spring, Bill. There's a lot of woodcock up there in the spring <laughs> when we're up steelhead fishing, but we just can't find them in the fall, apparently. <laughs> we so many. There's so many woodcock around that cabin in the springtime. It's ridiculous. You can hardly fall <laughs> yes. asleep. I just don't yes. even want to hear it. <laughs> we uh, when we when we uh, steelhead fish, sometimes uh, Scott is clever enough. He'll hide a beer after the day. We get done steelhead fishing, and we'll sit out in a clearing, whether it's at my cabin or somewhere else along the shore, and just listen to the the mating, um, you know, flight and sounds of the of the woodcock. You know, he'll he, sometimes he does he doesn't even tell me he's stuffed he put a couple beers in the in the creek. So um, they're there. We've listened to a lot of them up there, but it's always in the spring. I don't want to hear it. I don't believe either of you. <laughs> in fact, we're gonna share a story. Because uh, this hunt got to the point where I think Scott gave up on Paul. But but Scott had a backup plan. Hang tight. I want to pay a couple more bills, and then we'll finish this story with a bang. All right. We're talking about hunting today. The North Shore of Minnesota is just an unbelievable destination. Another of my favorites, North Dakota. Start planning your fall hunt in North Dakota at legendarynd.com. You know, right now, North Dakota is home to more than 800,000 plots, hunting acres, plots. That is private land that landowners have opened to public hunting. The plots guides the state uh, provides, those guides show you exactly where all that land sits. Right now, North Dakota's ringneck pheasant crowing counts are up 15%. The state is also home to an estimated 2.9 million breeding ducks. Yep, 2.9 million. It is an absolute outdoor oasis, and it is just waiting for you. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit legendarynd.com. Also, I want to thank our good friends at Star Bank. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Starbank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. Starbank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that Starbank has to offer at starbank.net. And finally, Connecticut. Do you know Connecticut? Well, the shirks sure do. No secret. We live out in the country and we have plenty of that ironclad well water. You know what I'm talking about. We treat all of our water with a Kinetico whole home water treatment system. We also use Kinetico's K5 drinking water system. You know that white buildup you get around the faucets? We get none of that. Our dishes are clean. Katie loves what Kinetico water does for her hair and our skin and our boys. They drink Connecticut water. No joke. Before they head to the hockey rink or to the soccer field, they 100% of the time have to fill their water bottles with Connecticut. I think that is saying something. The best part for me, 
We have well water that tastes great and the smell is gone. Call Connecticut like the Shirks did and look forward to clean, safe water. All right. Scott Sorensen knows bird hunting, but he also knows North Shore fishing. Proprietor of the coolest little fly shop in Minnesota. If you ever get up on the North Shore in Grand Marais, you got to check it out. Um, partially because uh, my favorite dog around, Seven Lives Ike, is hanging out in the shop with Scott. Scott, how does a dog, not a cat, end up with just seven lives? <laughs> well, he's uh, Ike is a pretty special dog. He uh, he was uh, purchased and and uh, flown to Onamia, Minnesota, um, from Czechoslovakia. Uh, so he's a Bohemian uh, Griffin. And while he was in Onamia, uh, the owner who we adopted Ike from let him out, and and Ike got in a something happened with Ike in a buck. A, a deer antler pierced his rear hind quarter and uh, it resulted in him losing his rear leg. Um, and um, we, my wife found Ike on a rescue site. So we, uh, we adopted him and uh, brought him up to the North woods and turns out he's a pretty good grouse dog. Well, and his adopted brother, I'll call it Zeus who was your original, one night they decide to take a hike. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> yep. so Zeus and Ike, a uh, year after we got Ike and uh, kind of rehabbed him um, from his loss of his leg, uh, the, the two boys got out of the porch and went for a, a walkabout, and uh, Ike was attacked by a, a wolf. And uh, he he survived that. He was bit up and tore up and lost a lot of blood and um, didn't think he was going to make it. But the we rushed him into the local vet here, um, and uh, he saved Ike's life. And um, so yes, he's got uh, I guess seven more lives to go. He's had a <laughs> little rough go, little rough go at it, but. Uh, He's, uh, he, you know, he's fun to watch in the woods. He, he can't go all day anymore, but uh, we uh, we like to get him out and uh, have him find a few grouse for us. He is such a special dog. The nose is amazing. And he's just, like, his temperament, he's so happy. I just look at Ike when I see him, and he's just kind of like, oh, hey, what's going on? we doing this? You know, it's just, there's, all dogs have magic in them, but for me, there's just something about Ike. Yeah, he's been really fun to to get to know, and, and uh, um, he does have a, a remarkable nose, uh, which makes up for, I think, uh, some lack of agility in the, in the, in the woods, but I, uh, I trust his nose. That's for sure. And, you know, you learn to watch him and see how he's, he's, um, acting. He kind of, he'll let you know that there's, there's a grouse around and I'll just let him, let him work that bird. Do people come into the fly shop looking for Ike? Yes, they do. Yep. I, uh, he's not there every day. Um, and so 
but it happens quite frequently at the store where people uh, seen the show on Minnesota Bound or uh, been to the shop in pre previous years, and they they just come to see the dog, uh, and that's that's fine by me too. He'll uh, he'll let them rub their ears all day long, rub his ears all day long. So we've got a three-legged dog. We have a hunter with a blown wing, and it gets to the point. <laughs> Where you say on our trip, <laughs> I heard you laughing, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Scott says, all right, enough hunting. Let's take a different tact here. So he says, meet me at this lake. So Paul and I drive up 15 minutes up the gun flint, pull into this remote lake. No Scott. But again, it's one of those reflection type afternoons. You know, the water is calm. The trees are perfect. And this truck comes flying in with this trailer. This guy hops out. He starts throwing this menagerie of waders and ropes and oars and life jackets. And in a matter of seconds, all of a sudden, all of us are out in float boats on a trout lake with fly rods. And Scott's just kind of giggling, like, yep, this is what we do up here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sorry I was late. And uh, Well, your dog uh, ate your sandwich. <laughs> I, I, we had a little mishap at, uh, yeah, at the house. Zeus, not Ike, Zeus ate my sandwich. So we had to, had to figure that out. But, uh, yeah, it is a, it's a great thing about uh, what I do and, and what, what we have the opportunity to do up here is we can fish till the end of October on these um, glacial trout lakes, uh, rainbow trout, brook trout, brown trout. And uh, yeah, we fish out of these little pontoon kick boats. Everybody gets their own boat and wears fins on their feet, waders, and then the boats have oars on them. And um, earlier you described your guys as uh, city slickers, but I happen to know that you're both fly rotters. Um, so it made sense to, uh, um, get out and do that. The bird hunting was so good and it was like, might as well try to catch some rainbows. And lo and behold, we caught some rainbows. <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, we're paddling around on this small lake. I don't know how many acres, 20, 30 acres. I just, yeah, something like that. Yep. Just guessing, but we're catching fish. There are birds flying around. There was a late season float plane that kept buzzing us. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Paul's dad is in his own boat. You know, we're kind of sitting in this little two or 300 yard area where we're all casting together. Meanwhile, Phil is going to that end of the lake. Then he's paddling over to this end of the lake. Then he's going to that corner of the lake. Like, He's like the dog in, what was that movie with Chevy Chase? The Money Pit, where every three days, the dog would just kind of come running by, and they're like, "What? where's he going? He just, that man covers water. He saw every corner of that lake, and it was just such a fun evening. I can only hope well, he, to, to be 80, in my 80s, and out fishing like Phil was fishing that night. Oh, my gosh. So healthy, so happy, so strong, you know, it's what we all aspire to be someday, right? 
he'd been cooped up in the cabin for a couple of days. So I think he was just uh, ready to put his track shoes on. He doesn't, he doesn't sit around very well, kind of like myself, but, uh, you know, the <laughs> first chance he got to, you know, spread his wings, he was, he just, he's an explorer, always has been. No, I think he was cooped up. We count, we come in, you know, to grab a lunch sandwich from one of our hunts and he's got a gallon of, you know, stain and a paintbrush and it's, <laughs> Just painting the railings, nothing else, but painting the railings out on the deck, thinking about what he's going to do that afternoon. It just, like, the trip was amazing. It was, what, 60 degrees, sunny. Uh, there was, leaves were down, but there were still areas where there was color on the trees. I mean, it's just, you can't make it up. It is what dream trips are meant to be. Yep, I I would also add, for me, just hunting with Ike um, after seeing the special, knowing Scott, I hadn't really, I'd never hunted with Ike, but just, you know, the, that whole experience, I've been around pointing dogs, and I've hunted with pointing dogs a fair amount, and I, a couple of different times, I, I'd see him stop, and I'd look at Scott, I said, well, is he birdie? He goes, no, he's just resting. You know, he could tell the difference where I, I couldn't, so that was kind of fun to just you know that that's the that's that's part of being a dog owner and hunting with your dog is just reading your own dog and you know knowing that no he's resting and yes he's on point you know I wouldn't be able to tell a difference but he certainly could so that was that was also really really fun. <laughs> well, the meals at the cabin. I, we'll wrap up with this. Um, you do steaks. You do grouse. I do some um, small batch artesian pasta the food was what's the word um that our forefathers and foremothers used the food was delico delico is that how you say it delico i think so i think so delico i hope somebody is listening thinking delico i know what delico is Delico, Paul, as you described for our TV camera, is like that's the definition of Scott Sorensen. We're sitting in front of the cabin the first morning, like, where's Scott? Is he going to join us? And this machine, which I compare to the little um, truck from the old video game Moon Patrol. Remember that? This four-wheel drive Mitsubishi Delico comes meandering up the grass driveway. It's got wicked Baja lights, fat tires, you know, um, racks on top. It is prudent. It is amazing. It is eclectic. And it just, when Scott hopped out like, hey, boys, you ready to hunt? I went, yeah, makes complete sense. Like, who finds a truck like that? They're not available in the United States, Scott. Well, yeah, it's it's a unique vehicle. I, I call it the Flybox and Company Adventure Van. And uh, I got it up in Thunder Bay up in Canada, but it originally is a Japanese um, import, so the steering wheel's on the opposite side. and um, But it's four-wheel drive and diesel and it's kind of skinny and narrow so you can drive the back uh back roads and back woods and not worry about uh 
scratching it on the brush. It's uh, yeah, it's a, a good good all around utility vehicle. Puts it up, makes getting the mail really easy up here at the mailbox. You can just roll your window down. And... If it only had a sandwich sandwich warmer in it. <laughs> oh, but it does. Yes. What about a knife? Yeah, factory installed sandwich warmer, ice maker, and sushi tray, and karaoke machine. Um, so all of the things that you need when you're going grouse and trout uh, fishing uh, up here in the Northland. I hope somebody is listening and is sitting on the internet typing Mitsubishi Delico because now, you know, our director of photography, Aaron Ochtenberg, who is another of my closest friends who helped make this trip wonderful. Like the second he saw that truck, he just rolled his eyes away from the viewfinder, looked back at me like, really, really? I'm going to own one before the end of the year. Like it, it just is another part, Scott, of your flipping amazing story. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Uh, all right. So enough said. I think we've given uh, enough secrets away from this episode. It's going to be a story of Minnesota Bound. It is going to be a half an hour episode for our national bird hunting show, The Flush, in 2022. Um, but most importantly, thanks to you both. I just have these memories now that are embedded in my brain. Um, you just can't beat it. Just what a trip. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. It well, was awesome. Yeah, th thanks, thanks, Bill, for putting it together. You know, it, it took you, uh, you know, putting this hunt together for me to actually take Scott up and his offer to take, you know, take us grouse hunting behind my cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 50 feet behind your cabin. Yep. I mean, it's, I, I'm, I am embarrassed a little bit that it's taken this long and I feel bad that I haven't hunted with my buddy Scott up there. So, um, yeah, it, uh, thanks a lot. Well, you better get with him. Otherwise he's going to have clients calling from all over the place. Yeah. Let's go to that <laughs> beef cover. Isn't that what you call it? The grouse patch. Uh, I'll hold thanks. the spot for you guys anytime. All right. Get out of here, get back into your tree stands, and if something happens, I want pictures. Deal? Deal. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. Yep. See you. Scott, so See you. See you later. Yep. Good luck, Paul. Yeah, good luck, Scott. See you, buddy. Oh, look at that. They're going to just hang right up on our podcast. I love that. They're in a, they both are wearing camel. They want to get back to their tree stands. I get it. There you go. The Minnesota Bound podcast and the stories behind the stories. What a trip that was. And uh, I didn't even give away all the secrets. Watch for the episode coming up. Hey, um, before I go, I want to thank all the key sponsors that help us get this podcast on the air every week. The Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories presented by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. My family uses Connecticut. You should too. Also. Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. Tasty beef raised the right way. North Dakota Tourism. Plan your hunt at legendarynd.com. Star Bank, the bank we use at Ron Share Productions. And who could forget the Minnesota Propane Association. 
Thanks again for listening today. We'll be back next week with another adventure. In the meantime, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. See ya. Mm -hmm.